Good morning. Today we are on Matthew chapter 18, the first 20 verses, which read, At that time the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? He called a child whom he put among them and said, Truly I tell you, unless you change and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever becomes humble like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. If any of you put a stumbling block before one of these little ones who believe in me, it would be better for you if a great millstone were fastened around your neck and you were drowned in the depth of the sea. Woe to the world because of stumbling blocks. Occasions for stumbling are bound to come, but woe to the one by whom the stumbling block comes. If your hand or your foot causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to enter life maimed or lame than to have two hands or two feet and to be thrown into the eternal fire. And if your eye causes you to stumble, tear it out and throw it away. It is better for you to enter life with one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into the hell of fire. Take care that you do not despise one of these little ones, for I tell you, in heaven their angels continually see the face of my Father in heaven. What do you think? If a shepherd has a hundred sheep and one of them is gone astray, does he not leave the ninety-nine on the mountains and go in search of the one that went astray? And if he finds it, truly I tell you, he rejoices over it more than over the ninety-nine who never went astray. So it is not the will of your Father in heaven that one of these little ones should be lost. If another member of the church sins against you, go and point out the fault when the two of you are alone. If the member listens to you, you've regained that one. But if you are not listened to, take one or two others along with you, so that every word may be confirmed by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If the member refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if the offender refuses to listen even to the church, let such a one be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. Truly I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, truly I tell you, if two of you agree on earth about anything you ask, it will be done for you by the Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, I am there among them. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable to you, O God, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. There was a church where the minister and the minister of music were not getting along. As time went by, this began to spill over into the worship service. The first week, the pastor preached on commitment and how we should all dedicate ourselves to the service of God. 
the music director led the song, I Shall Not Be Moved. The second week, the preacher preached on tithing and how we should all gladly give to the work of the Lord. The director led the song, Jesus Paid It All. The third week, the preacher preached on gossiping and how we should all watch our tongues. The music director led the song, I Love to Tell the Story. With all this going on, the pastor became very disgusted over the situation and the following Sunday told the congregation that he was considering resigning. The musician led the song, Oh, Why Not Tonight? As it came to pass, the pastor did resign. The next week, he informed the church that it was Jesus who led him there, and it was Jesus who was taking him away. The music leader led the song, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. We laugh, but there is some slightly veiled truth in this situation. We in church can throw verbal jabs, spew sarcasm followed quickly by, oh, just kidding, and snub those who have offended us with the best of them. And we have an extra option. We can pass gossip in the form of a prayer request. During all of this, we can maintain our holier-than-thou appearance. One pastor from Chicago related the following. There was an AA group that met in our church's basement once a week. One summer, I was outside the parsonage weeding the walkway when a man attending the meeting came out to drink his coffee and have a smoke. He stood there for a while watching me weed. Then he asked, why can't the church be more like AA? It did not sound like an accusation, just an honest question. What do you mean, I asked. Well, the times I've gone to church, everyone pretends they've got all their bleep together, and that really makes it hard. Hard, I asked? Yeah, hard to connect, you know. Be real about what's happening in your life. Why can't people in the church be real about who they are and about what is happening in their lives? To do that would make it much easier for people to connect. In fact, to do that would make it much easier to see Jesus and what Jesus is doing in our midst. Apparently, this is not anything new, as Jesus addressed our relationships with each other in today's text, uttered over 2,000 years ago. In chapter 17, just preceding this, we have the account of the transfiguration, a miracle healing. Jesus predicts his death and resurrection for the second time, and another miracle. And what do the disciples want to talk about? Jesus, who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? How do I get to be number one, or at least higher than most of the others? Are you kidding me? You are already welcomed into heaven. Is that not enough? Jesus says, we need to have a talk. Unless you change and become like little children who have no status, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. 
And you better welcome those whom society rejects in the same way that you would welcome me. And if you do anything to trip up a new follower trying to learn how to be one of my flock, don't come to me for help. It would be better for you to have a large millstone hung around your neck and be drowned in the depths of the sea. Do whatever you have to do in order to stay on the right path yourself, the path to salvation, and to do right by others. You see, each and every lost soul who comes to me is so precious that should he wander off, my father would search and seek after him until he is brought back into the flock. This whole section is about how Christians, those who have accepted Jesus the Christ as their Savior, members of the church, are to interact with those new to the church those new to the faith, and with each other within the congregation. And we don't get along, that is. We do not behave like Christians. We continue to act like the sinners we are. We smile and say, welcome to the newcomer, while we take offense, hold grudges, and snip at those we call our church family. Then and now, it is such a frequent occurrence that Jesus lays out a detailed process for reconciliation. Verses 15 through 17 read like the Miranda rights. You know, if you watch police dramas on TV, you almost know those by heart. You have the right to remain silent. Anything you say can and will be used against you in a court of law. You have the right to an attorney if you cannot afford one, and so on. It's part of the legal system of the United States. It's standard, it's cut and dried. The Miranda rights became part of the legal system because there is always someone looking for a way to circumvent what is right and fair. The same is true in the church family. Most of us want to be right, or at least perceived as right, even when we are not. We only want what is fair when it is in our favor because we are not willing to own up to our mistakes because we do not want to admit when we are in the wrong. If we can get away with it and because we find it hard to be loving towards someone who has wronged us, Jesus set a standard to follow. If your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault, just between the two of you. If they listen to you, you've won them over. But if they will not listen, take one or two others along, so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If they still refuse to listen, tell it to the church. And if they refuse to listen even to the church, Treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. There you go. One, two, three, it's cut and dried. Or is it? If you know anything about Jesus, you know he did not write people off that easily. In fact, this passage is followed up by Jesus telling Peter to forgive again and again and again. 
over and over we see Jesus seeking out those society has discarded and abandoned. I suggest that rather than giving permission to discard a difficult person, the goal here is to settle the matter with mercy, grace, and forgiveness. Remember, this is the Gospel of Matthew, a former tax collector whom Jesus sought out, whom Jesus called to follow him. That is how Jesus treated the tax collector. In biblical days, there were Jews and everyone else was a Gentile. Gentiles were considered pagans because they did not believe in Yahweh, the one true God. We are not Jews. Anyone who was not a Jew was not allowed in the temple. The temple had its own guards to keep those people out. That's us. But Jesus sought out each one of us. He called us by name to follow him. That is how Jesus treats those people. They are to be sought out, not discarded. They are to be treated with love, mercy, and grace that never ends. Now, why would we do any less for our brothers and sisters in Christ? Churches are full of troublesome people. We are very good at spotting those rabble-rousers around us. Of course, when they are spotting a rabble-rouser, they're looking at us. God designed us with a need for community and gave us the church to fulfill that need. As members of that community, we each have a responsibility to preserve the church and its individual members. That starts with humbling ourselves and admitting our sin. It means forgiving as Jesus forgave, completely and often. It means seeing others as more important than ourselves seeking out those who've drifted away or gone astray. It means initiating reconciliation, even when we think we were wronged. It will take a whole lot of prayer and grace to pull this off. But hey, we've got nothing better to do. Amen.